Interestingly, <laughs> you, you were talking about computers being mammoth. Uh, not that long ago, we were going through a, a few of mum and dad's old things, and I happened across a tube of um, blueprints or plans. My father built the Westpac Data Centre in Brisbane in the late 70s, early 80s, something like that. I found the plans for it. Because mm. well, he, he kept the whole lot of them. Like there's tube like yeah. this that's uh, just filled with well, plans. Frame it, put it on the wall. That'll make a great nerd poster. Uh, Actually, uh, I should do that. Uh, Welcome to GCP Life, episode number 48 for the 8th of September, 2023. GCP Life is sponsored by Kazna. At Kazna, we make your Google Cloud solutions possible. And I'm your host, Stephen Bancroft. On today's show, all the latest from Next 2023, Google and NetApp get together, the Australian security authorities are getting tired of all the excuses, plus all the latest from Google AI in the AI wars. But before we get to any of that, I'd like to introduce the co-hosts of the show, Ian Brown. How are you going, Ian? I'm good, Becky. How are you doing, mate? Awesome, mate. Awesome. And a very special guest today, Troy Beebe. How are you going, Troy? Hello. How are you? Good, 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 good. And Troy, you're fresh back from Nex, so uh, that's why we've got you here. We're going to get on to all of that. Yeah, I'll try and try and not have jet lag too bad. <laughs> you don't look too bad. The uh, bags under the eyes are only, only oh, small. Thanks. <laughs> thanks, mate. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, awesome. And uh, besides Next, um, Ian, have you or even Troy, have you been up to anything else? Go, Troy. You've got you've got the floor. <laughs> haven't haven't been up to too much else. I've um, oh, what's going on? I wasn't prepared to talk personal life. I mean, uh, what could I say? Uh, Just a bit of banter before we kick the show. Oh, right. off. That's usually <laughs> okay. what happens, Troy. Is if that you what listen to the show, you would know. Yeah, no, I do. Yeah, I should be prepared to have some some uh, quip or something. You know, some good story. I mean, what happens in San Francisco stays in San Francisco, oh, so I right, can't okay. actually talk about anything uh, too directly. But yeah. right, well, we will get onto that. <laughs> off mic, but, um, off mic, maybe. Off mic, off mic. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, personally, uh, for me, I'm, as we know, I'm, I'm I'm actually moving house, so been been going, getting ready with that, cleaning things out, and getting things ready there. But um, yeah, full on with this project, and it's it's coming to an end now. Um, you may have seen some media releases uh, previously about that, but we're planning. To finish sometime in October, so uh, all going well. Yeah, we should uh, we should have that in the bag. Nice. Um, yeah, nice. That's another big GCV GCVE migration. Uh, we'll get on to that because they did announce a few GCVE features at Next as well. Uh, but uh, anyone see the outages that occurred during the week? Oh, both, both <laughs> Oracle and Azure had outages during the week. Mm. Now, I don't want to. I don't want to. Don't want to dwell on this too much. But Google didn't have an outage. Mm. <laughs> they get. They find out the root cause. Yeah, so a big storm came through Sydney. This is what oh. it looks like happened. Uh, and uh, first article I read on it said there was a brownout in the Azure data center, and then that took out all the chillers. And then there wasn't enough staff on at the time to run around and reset all the chillers, so they had to shut everything down because it was all overheating. Uh, but uh, article I just read today said, yeah, it was a storm and it affected uh, both the Oracle and the Azure data centers. 
Mm. Yeah, I was just reading an article here about it. Um, Oracle, that lots of stuff in Oracle's cloud was was affected. Console networking, block volumes, fast connect, load balancing, vault, virtual networking, and MySQL. Yeah, yeah, their status page was red yeah. For, yeah. for a long time. It seems like pretty much everything they sell, isn't it? <laughs> Why didn't the diesels <laughs> kick in? Well, uh, well, as far I mean, as I'm aware, with in for Azure specifically, um, the chillers had a problem and they were unable to restart the chillers for whatever reason because there weren't enough staff there to run around and do some reset procedure on them. Okay, so the the diesels did kick up, or the power power came back. It was just a brownout. Yeah, it's just, it just a, a brownout. brownout. Right. Yeah, and the yeah. chillers didn't recover from that. They didn't recover. Yeah, I don't know any more details other than that, but uh, I do know they only had three staff on at the time, and they've now saying they're going to have a minimum of fourteen, I think, to to allow for them to run around and, and do these resets. Should they have to do this again? Surely it'd be simpler to automate the reset procedure, wouldn't it? You would think so. Automate all the things, right? That's it. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Um, so that's interesting. But it goes to show, right? I mean, like that fire that happened in France, in Paris, yeah, a couple of months ago, right? Like build redundant solutions, right? Be, be, in, be in a few regions, yep. right? I mean, one outage like that shouldn't affect your product, really. I mean, it's one, one thing, right? Like you have redundant thing, you have a load balancer, you have databases that are redundant. It's all there. It's all there to be built. Just do it properly. Mm. Um, yeah, so that was kind of a, a, an interesting one to track during the week. But uh, other than that, I, I, I have not really been tracking stuff that closely. Um, I think I might take the opportunity now to mention GCP Life Live. Yes. Um, we've got GCP Life Live on the 6th of October. It's Friday the 6th of October in Sydney. Uh, well, we've had some traction. It's, it's been put, put out through... Um, uh, the GDG uh, meetup, and uh, it's only a month away now. So it's only a month yeah. away now. That's right. Yep, yep. We've Exciting. got this episode and then another episode. So it'll be episode fifty. Um, and you'll see it uh, in GDG on meetup as well. So if you're going to go along, go along there and, and accept the invitation on GDG meetup. And then if you've got try booking, you'll see the links on the socials. Go to try yep. booking and, and book. Come come in live, there. and you can meet me in person, which is that's right. That's, <laughs> That's the draw. That's the draw. To see the enigma that is Troy Bibby. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it'll be a panel. It'll be myself, Ian, Troy, uh, and uh, Lizzie, one of our data engineers, who is also the 2022 uh, recipient of uh, Partner Delivery Excellence in Engineering. Blah blah blah. Um, and uh, we're hoping to have a Googler there as well. So um, she was an yeah, all star, right? As well, she was an all star. That's right. Who's the other all star? Can't remember uh, who that was. You, you, so, I can't remember. No, I know. I don't remember who the other was. Was there another? I don't know if we had another. No, I don't think there was. Yeah, no, Bankrosoft. That was what he's saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Someone called Bankrosoft. Yeah, you missed the drinks. I mean, there was there there were drinks just for the All Stars there. Um, after the partner event, no one else was allowed in. Not even the winners. So, um, yeah, it was pretty special. Treated them well. Right, nice. this this was at next. At next, yeah. yeah. Well, they should have given me a ticket to well, go. I know. Well, <laughs> they were. We can talk about that later. But yeah, as far as tickets and availability, it was. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it was. You know, we're in different times, I suppose, post COVID, and and uh, just. But yeah, we can talk more about the event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get we'll get onto that. Uh, should we get on with the show? 
Let's do it. Uh, let's do it. Let's have no. some more banter, I reckon. No, more banter. <laughs> right, I've got some better quips, you know. Uh-huh. There I was in the woods. It was just me and this bear. <laughs> All right, we better take that one off, Mike. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get on with the news items. All right, first cab off the rank is uh, related to next, uh, related to Kazna. Kazna wins Google Cloud Partner of the Year. We did. There are two. Two of them. There are two. There are two. Uh, Troy, take us through this. What did what did we win? Well, we won uh, f- free tickets to Google Next 2020. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be nice. <laughs> no, um, uh, yeah, it was basically partner sales partner of the year, uh, 2023 in Australia, and services partner of the year, uh, New Zealand. So two two pretty big o- awards. Um, you know, name up and lights up there presented at the uh, partner event and you know it's pretty amazing you know four years before the last time they had this event it was just me and simon simon had just started who's the ceo for kazna Mm -hmm. i was the only employee so you know to do that in four years to sort of see that change and you know to be be up there as the regional era you know winner it was it was pretty amazing it is amazing absolutely amazing and uh i my memory fails me here had we won any partner of the year awards Prior to this, we had not. We had I, not. There you go. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. truthfully, they hadn't really publicized them that much. Um, I think in previous years, you know, again, COVID uh, last year was a little bit um, false start. I think mm-hmm. they were thinking, but yeah. But uh, this one was full bore and and full on, and yeah, it was good to be at that size of an event and have Kazna, you know, up there uh, and all the kudos that we got there. Kazna recognized, yep. yeah, absolutely, mm. yeah, on a on a global stage too. That's really cool. Yeah, mm. 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 making inroads. Did they when they made the announcement? Did they point out anything specific in the award when they when they called it out? Um, like any examples of our work? Oh, or any right. reasons? No, or they, like- they they had quite a few as they're going through all the regions, but. Ah, okay. um, that didn't dwell too long. No, no, we didn't that, get right. like a, it wasn't like a spotlight and called us up and then, then got played off by music or anything like that. No, right, right, okay. Casna, <laughs> <laughs> come on down. <laughs> I'd like to thank my mom. I'd like to thank everybody who's done everything, especially the all-stars who really made yeah, this happen. It. That's it. <laughs> and the lectern starts going down. And <laughs> Get off. <laughs> and, uh, all right, well, speaking of Next, um, you were at Next, Troy. So. You were, yeah. So, what can you tell us about it? Now, just give us a little brief on like what happened and the rundown and stuff like that. What you did, how you got there, where you stayed. And well, all that. I, so I took United. Um, mm. on, no, I'm not going to start there. Anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it was um, it was great. We had an Airbnb. It was uh, CEO, uh, another uh, senior engineer that we had. We're able to bring, and um, you know, four years. Just seeing the size differential was pretty amazing. It was a huge event. I think they said ten thousand, so massive. It's at the um, Marconi Center, which is you know the big one, but uh, it basically took up two two wings, which is like the the north and the south. The food was you know excellent. It was three days, mm. um, just tons of partners and and customers, and and actually less Google. 
people and staff uh, from four years ago. It's the first one they've had live and, and sort of in person. Weather was amazing. And yeah, the session, sessions were great. The keynote and the developer one keynote especially was great mm. uh, with all the announcements. And, and also there's something about AI, I think. Or, or <laughs> not quite sure. They might have said something about AI in yeah, one of the talks. T- t- Tucked somewhere in the back, somewhere, yeah, yeah just just <laughs> hidden a little bit. Um, yeah, but no, that uh, it, it was right up at the forefront. Um, it, mm. You know, uh, it was also great to have the you know the Nvidia CEO join during the keynote as well. Um, and oh, yeah, just, that, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the, I, uh, yeah. I, I watched I watched both those keynotes, the 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 start, the first one, and then the developer one, and they were quite amazing. Did you see the de- Did you see the developer one? It was pretty awesome. They brought up yeah. uh, Quest Love at the end and um, uh, Z Tip and stuff. It was pretty amazing. Um, and the song was really good. I mean, I thought the developer one was was fantastic with how they sort of tied it all together. Good narrative, yeah. and yeah, the sessions were uh, really good. And we'll, yeah, we'll go into more of that. Yeah. So I thought, um, I mean, there was so much, and I haven't even scratched the surface of the videos. What are there? Like, like I said, I've watched the, those those couple of keynotes, and I, I watched some. I've quickly flicked through a couple of other ones, but um, I thought we'd we'd um, sort of pick two topics that tweaked our interests, and we'd give our listeners a little breakdown on what they were. Now, Ian, you wanted to have have a little deep dive into GKE Enterprise and Cloud TPU. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. So, what 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 what's that all about? Yeah. So, um, GKE. We all know what GKE is. Kubernetes engine on Google Cloud. So, the enterprise version of that is mm. um, is a sort of a new variant of it that that integrates Anthos as well as GKE. So, you can run run your workloads wherever you want, essentially. Um, and the the there's a there's a blog post that's been put out, uh, and I believe the the guy that's Wrote, uh, written it is Chen Goldberg, who's a GM and VP of Cloud Runtimes, which uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, and he says in here that it comes with managed security features, including advanced workload vulnerability insights, uh, government uh, governance and policy controls, and managed service mesh. Um, and it's all based on the best of Kubernetes open source ecosystem. It includes hybrid and multi-cloud support, so you can run your container workloads anywhere, uh, whether that's in GKE um, in other public clouds, so you could uh, run it in um, in Oracle if their cloud stayed up, um, or Azure <laughs> if theirs stayed up, um, or you could run it on prem. only in Sydney though. Only in Sydney, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Uh, but the other cool bit, the other cool bit about uh, GKE Enterprise is they've actually integrated, or they've got um, support now. Sorry for the new cloud TPU V five E's. Hmm. So now you can use um, the cloud TPUs uh, to train AI workloads, and you can use A3 VMs with the NVIDIA H100 GPU um, as nodes in your GKE cluster. Right. Uh, and and I'm also seeing here in this blog uh, cloud storage Fuse as well, generally available in GKE. Yeah, and that's that's yeah, a really yeah. cool one. So we we covered cloud storage Fuse uh, three or four episodes ago, I think it was. Yep. Uh, yep. Really cool bit of kit. Uh, so now you can use that in, in GKE natively. Right, and that's backed by block storage, which is, runs on Titanium, which I'm going to get to as well, which ha- also has significant improvements. Yeah. So Fuse is um, – that's – 
that's the fuse linkage, which gives you yeah uh, block based storage to attach to your clusters. And before it was all, it wasn't supported by Google, right? No, it was no, just right. you know open source. You put it in. You know, if your cluster fails, tough luck. But now it's supported. That's nice. Yeah, that's right. really cool. Yep, user space file system. Yeah, really cool. Um, all right. So, and what do we get with Cloud Tip UV five E? Oh, so this is this is the other one that I wanted to cover. Yeah. Um. So, and another yet another blog post. Uh, and this one's by Amin Vadat, um, who's a VPGM of ML Systems and Cloud AI, and Mark. Uh, Lohmeyer, who's a VPGM of Compute and ML Infrastructure. Uh, so the Cloud TPU V5e, um, as I just said, is integrated with uh, GKE, uh, Vertex AI, and um, and it has leading frameworks as well as uh, like PyTorch and JAX and TensorFlow. Mm-hmm. Um, they're A3 VMs based on NVIDIA H100 GPUs delivered as a GPU supercomputer. They call it, mm. uh, which sounds really cool. Because you can connect them all together now, apparently. You can. They've got this, they've got this backing plane that they can, yeah. Yeah, that's they right. Cross-connect so them all. Yeah. The TPU V5e delivers two times higher training performance per dollar and up to two and a half times um, inference performance per dollar for large language models and Gen AI. Mm. And you can um, interconnect up to 256 chips with an aggregate bandwidth of more than 400 terabits per second and 100 <laughs> petaops of int 8 performance. Uh, numbers are just, They're just ludicrous. Just, you can't, how many swimming pools is that, right? Yeah. Like you just can't, you can't picture it, right? More billions. <laughs> More billions is better, right? Yeah. One billion bits. <laughs> Yeah, look, it, they're crazy. So uh, the article goes on; it, it it goes through a whole heap of stuff. But um, one of the the key callouts w- was the just sheer bandwidth that these things have, which is mm. phenomenal. Um, the other one was the A three VM features ne- uh, dual next gen fourth gen. Wow, that's a mouthful. Um, Intel Xeon scalable processors, eight NVIDIA H one hundred GPUs per VM, and two terabytes of host memory. Hmm. So, because it's built on the latest NVIDIA HGX H100 platform, uh, the A3VM delivers 3.6 terabytes per second of bisectional bandwidth between the eight GPUs via the NVIDIA NVLink. Mm. Which, are, like, th- these are staggering numbers. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I can see why NVIDIA were there. Uh, what is this? It's Wang? Uh, Wang? He uh, was there at the... the uh, the keynote because like they're like this now you know yep. nvidia and google are like this mm. yeah it's interesting um that whole play within the other um uh hyperscalers as well like who's gonna end up being closest partnered with with nvidia um and because yeah general purpose uh models are going to be you know heavily dependent on those gpus so Yep, high-density, high-performance computing, yep. absolutely. Yep. Um, awesome. Well, thanks, Ian. Um, I thought uh, I, I was going to do two, but I've ended up doing kind of three, like a little bit smaller each. But uh, I thought I'd kick off with, because uh, I came across this one, uh, GCVE, VMware Engine. A uh, few new upgrades announced to that. We now have uh, the VE2 nodes, uh, which give you two terabytes of RAM. 
64 to 128 vCPUs and up to 50 terabytes of storage on a single node. Uh, and they're now supporting storage-only nodes. Uh, Google Cloud NetApp Volumes, Google Cloud Firestore, and storage-only node vSAN. So but storage-only node's been a long-awaited thing. I know we've been waiting for it because mm. they're kind of just like, well, you can use a compute node. Yeah, but, but costs and managing, and it's kind of all been the way it's worked is like, uh, use a compute node, but uh, we'll charge you for a storage node, but you shouldn't use it for compute. Right, yeah, but right. now we have an official. Now we have an official storage node, which is great. And those those V two nodes, they're nearly twice the size of the V ones. They're huge. Yeah, that is huge. Yeah, two terabytes of RAM and up to fifty terabytes of storage. Yeah, because I'm just thinking they had the V ones. What were they? They were ninety six threaded uh, threads of CPU, uh, seven hundred sixty eight gig of RAM, and nineteen point one terabytes of uh, flash storage. Oh. Flash storage, yeah, the previous yeah. gen, yeah. So these ones are 128 CPUs, two terabytes of RAM, and 50 terabytes. Hey, that's massive. Yeah, that's massive. I, I have to do some investigation. Can you cycle out a V V1 node for a V2 node and then get the upgrade? I wonder if that's going to be possible because we're going to have clients and people that want to upgrade the VE2, right? Well, um, you can. It's VMware. You can put a new node in. Absolutely, and then have vSAN do its magic and shuffle things around and get the extra space. Yeah, the the yeah. only question would be if the new CPU uh, variant has different flags enabled on the CPU that the old one doesn't, and then you'll have to put a, a CPU mask in whilst you're flat whilst you're swapping them out, and then once you finish swapping the entire fleet, then you can remove that CPU mask. CPU mask, yep, yeah. Why you've got that mixed cluster? Yep. Um. Because the fifty terabytes of storage and the storage, you know, is going to be fantastic. Because you want to have everyone wants to have stretch clusters now, right? And stretch clusters are the thing. But you're chewing up double the space, mm. right? It's just the space just vanishes like that. So this is going to be a game changer. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait to use it. And then the other thing I had looked at was uh, cross cloud network. Now, cross cloud network in itself is not. Um, a one-off thing. I, I, I imagine it as a suite, right? Cross-cloud is kind of a suite. And it includes things like secure web proxy, which we've talked about on the show. That's like for your egress proxy. Um, you know, you can do your inspection on your egress and ingress to the internet. Uh, Cross-cloud interconnect, which we've talked about as before yep. as well, that, that, that can give you um, a direct connection to another cloud, uh, cloud next gen firewall, which is basically a Palo Alto, right? That's another thing that's been launched. <laughs> let's look, get started packet, with that. Ian. Calm sniffing. down. Yeah, calm down. <laughs> um, <laughs> network service integration manager, right? And uh, services extension for cloud load balancer, right? So these are all the things that you get inside cross cloud networking. This is specifically angled at. Uh, connecting clouds to other clouds and then the requirements that enterprises will have for packet inspection and security between the two cloud right. environments. Right? Didn't, yeah. we, didn't we read something the other day, Banky, that says using third-party uh, appliances is inherently insecure? Oh, I'm sure boy, that was what it says. Don't get me started <laughs> with that one. All right, as a little segue... <laughs> I have to pull up the Slack message, but yeah. <laughs> look, if, um, yeah, well, so I'm studying for the digital cloud leader at the moment, right? 
and uh, this should be pretty easy. It's not really much to study for it, no. but you're right. One of the questions that came up in in that was um, along the lines of um, do do we use third party appliances in the cloud? And the answer that they wanted was no, we don't because they're inherently insecure and need updating. And I, that yeah, that's that was funny that one because that that in my mind seems to be directly pitched at people that want to use Palo Altos and Junipers and all the rest of it, the people that say, let's build our data center in the cloud. Yeah. Right. And that's not what we're doing. That's not what you want to try and do. And, and, and if, if, you know, people that are running enterprises and, you know, they don't know anything else and not used to cloud, if that's where their head's at, then, then questions like that in the digital, uh, digital cloud leader exam are directly pitched at people like that, trying to trying to get them out of that way of thinking. Yeah, it was an interesting one. Um, just go and do the anyone listening, go and do the digital cloud leader um, uh, sample questions, and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, so that is cross cloud network. Now, the other little thing I had a quick look at was titanium. Now, titanium is. Um, the underpinning infrastructure. So it underpins everything, like all our all our load balancers and bits and pieces, they all run on this titanium platform. Um, now, uh, titanium uh, is the underpinning, I'll just read directly from the blog here, which I'll link in the show notes, um, a system of purpose-built custom silicon and multiple tiers of scale-out offloads that together power improvements in performance, reliability, and security for our customers' workloads. For example... 25% faster block storage IOPS per instance compared to the other two leading hyperscalers. So we have a new Titanium platform. And the big deal about this new Titanium platform is one of its main features is the offloading architecture. So you no longer have a bottleneck of a single ASIC or CPU. and It's all ASIC, right? You now have all these offloading like plugins that occur, right? So... An example of that is the block storage, um, and this enables this hyperdisk. Right now, hyperdisk is another new feature that they, they've enabled as well. And just quickly, hyperdisk uh, allows you to uh, uh, um, create a single block storage and then farm it out like you would in a in a NetApp or something like that. And you can create partitions in that and then and share it out that way. It sort of makes it more optimized. Right, and that's that's uh, offloaded in in Titanium. Uh, network routing is offloaded, so much the same as you do in an on-prem piece, uh, on-prem server, where you have an offloading NIC card. Yep, they're doing the same thing now in Titanium. Or, you, or your Intel Enterprise NICs. Steve, is this that's um right. is this computer? Is this in the Andromeda networking layer or both? Uh, it looks like it's on the hosts on the host machines. Okay, so it's the the switching fabric. I think is Andromeda, mm. but I don't that, that's right. This is the host machines right, that host okay. all your all your oh, services, right? So they're offloading yeah, they're loads, yeah. after they come out of the switch or into the switch, they'll be offloading before that with these with this dedicated purpose built uh, titanium, titanium platform. Right. Yep. 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 I'll link the uh, I'll link the article in the show notes. Um they don't it's yeah, that the thing I found about these pre-release blogs, they're kind of a bit markety, and they don't for us. They don't really sort of delve into much of the questions like that. But uh, certainly sounds cool to me. Uh, Troy, did you have anything of interest that piqued your interest from the talks or things that you saw while you there? Yeah, a couple of things. I mean, I was, 
you know, just due to a couple of things I'm doing, the most uh, I was quite interested in the Google uh, distributed cloud stuff. So that's getting um, that GKE enterprise to the edge, particularly retail use cases. So they're going to be releasing a bunch of new form factors. So you can put it not just in your data center, but further out closer to the edge, particularly like in your stores and bricks and mortar, very small form factors all the way up to rolling in uh, racks. Uh, so your own racks in your data center or in your sovereign uh, location and, uh, that, that you can run your compute. So that was pretty interesting. Um, and sort of the move away from the Anthos brand and more towards this Google distributed cloud, which is more fully managed. So I think customers probably didn't want to have a lot of the software heartache. They want Google to just start managing it. So that is being able to roll in uh, you know, devices, appliances, all the way up to full uh, server racks uh, to, right. r- to, to run your compute, as well as Alloy so, DBs so can be, be supported. Which is so there'd be cool. a rack of titanium rack, basically, right? Just Probably, in there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got some photos, and there's a bunch more detail on how it's like configured with the switches and um, the high availability. But is um, yeah, definitely meant to be bringing the the pendulum swinging back to from cloud now to all that goodness of cloud being moved down to on prems because you know the fact is is you know retail shops are not going away, you know train stations aren't going away. These things are, you know, they're facts of life, but they want to get the, they want to leverage cloud. They don't want to continue, you know, pushing VMs. They want containers and all the modernization. So that's, um, I think all the hyperscalers are moving or, or realize that that's the next sort of frontier for, for compute, um, uh, other than just moving, you know, moving up in the cloud. Mm. Like a decentralized cloud. Yeah, like a distributed cloud almost. Yeah, <laughs> Google Funny, Google distributed <laughs> cloud. No, but the the AI announcements were pretty massive, right? So, um, you know, it was ninety five percent AI. Um, that everybody the the big wow factor that it was actually a a gasp around the keynote. I don't know if you probably could hear it was the announcement of Google the the Vertex AI search and just the plugin. Yeah. For Confluence, right, and Jira, we'll, just we'll, we'll get on. Oh, you're going we'll to get, get that AI a bit later. I mean, in the everybody, show, but yes, <laughs> everybody was just it was it was hilarious because in the keynote it was just like everyone was like, oh, you know, just because you know they've just got this this you know just click this and you because you know you used to have to get a Google appliance. I don't know if you remember Google used to sell appliances that you'd stick into your network. Yeah, it would then index. index this. Yeah, now yeah. it's just you know click of the button in Google Cloud. Vertex AI sucks up all your you know, puts a large language model on top of your um, Confluence data. So that's going to be pretty yeah. massive. That's massive, yeah. I know, um, I know a company yeah. um, in Brisbane that put a couple of those search appliances into their office oh, only two or three years ago. Oh, right, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> might be pulling them back out, maybe. Yep. All right, well, we'll get on to some AI stuff a bit later in the AI Wars, but let's let's move on to a couple of new features that uh, have come out aside from that. And here's one that grabbed one that grabbed Ian and my attention is NetApp now, uh, and I, I think this might have been in preview before, and it's in GA now, but mm. you, you can now have uh, NetApp uh, storage appliances available in Google Cloud with the introduction of Google Cloud NetApp Volumes, now available as a fully managed first-party service on Google Cloud. This is a, an article from uh, Data Nami uh, and telling us about uh, Google Cloud Volumes based on NetApp ONTAP. Yep. 
Um, so I don't know if either of you have ever played with NetApp on top. I know you have, Troy, back in the old days, but you can <laughs> get uh, back in the old <laughs> days, yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> uh, you can go and just get it. You can get a demo version of ONTAP. You can install it on a VM, you know, wherever, and you can play with ONTAP yourself. Uh, but so they've had a software version of NetApp, uh, you know, software appliance of NetApp ONTAP for a while. But it sounds to me like now uh, you can just get it uh, as, as you know, another API in, in your Google Cloud project. Yeah, I think this, this one came as a, as a result of the SAP. Uh, workloads on Google Cloud because that's obviously that's that's a, a very big use case and Google's yeah. really pushing the SAP stuff. So yeah, that was that's one of the targeted workloads uh, for this as well. Yep, and to have SMB and NFS servers straight out of the box now, mm. yeah, like it just makes it easy. You don't have to go spinning up a janky VM and share out block storage, all that, all that jankiness. Just boom, there you go. Uh, and at that and at the scale that you needed as well, right? So um, yeah. Which is, you know, your your potentially your Terra and, and petabytes is is you know a big it's a big deal and to have cloud volumes I think is going to be uh, really great for those workloads which are moving into the cloud. They've I think they've had to do that because they realize that you need massive uh, storage scale beyond just object storage mm-hmm. and and cloud native, right? Yeah, and the, and then yeah. the ability too for data protection on top of that. So one of the the points that it mentions in the article here is um, built-in data protection mm. um, uh, that creates block-level incremental backups. Mm-hmm. Though, I mean, at that at that sort of scale, if you're talking petabytes of data, um, the at that sort of scale, incremental backups become quite quite a uh, a painful exercise because you could be yeah. backing up hundreds of gigabytes of data. Oh yeah, no. Yeah. Then, yeah, the the NetApp, you know, the snap volumes and stuff like that were were, were pretty amazing in in terms of having redundancy and uh, and how fast and easy just be based on the the design. Yep. And one of the things that, as a system administrator, that NetApp does, that NetApp ONTAP does so well, <laughs> is integrate uh, Unix usernames with. SAML usernames from Windows <laughs> yep, because when you're when you're sharing when you're sharing it and you've got Windows boxes and Unix boxes accessing the same file system, it's just a mess. And ONTAP uh, does it really well. So yeah, and if, if you integrate it back to AD and then use it use a, a single um, you know single authority like that, then it, it's it's really seamless the way it does it. Yeah. Um. So I, I yeah so. Yeah, give that one good. Oh, and the other point I was going to make as well, you have uh, this is relevant for v- people VMware environments moving, GCVE customers moving across. They want the same experience, mm. right? They want the same experience they've got on prem, and they they know they're getting a product that that's you know got the, all the security clearances that that they know and they're used to, and they 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 can accept it out of the box. They don't need to re-architect or refactor anything. They can just move their VMware lo- workloads along with their NetApp shares, and they've got exactly the same architecture and experience as they had on-prem. Yep. Love um, it. Love it, love it, love it. Um, now, here's one you brought to my attention, Ian. Uh, Ampere says flagship chips to be offered by Google Cloud. Yeah, that's right. So uh, Ampere 1 um, chips, they've just... They've just done a deal with Google. Um, so for those who don't know, Ampere chips are ARM-based processors. 
and uh, uh, Google. Now, is it the same, or have they just borrowed some of the architecture? Well, like- uh, Arm is a Arm is an open architecture that you can oh, that course, you can right. use. So, which is why. AWS has their own ARM chip, and so does um, Apple. They've got their own Apple. ARM chips, and I, okay. like Google, have got their own ARM chips that that power our phones. So, uh, so they they're now building sort of enterprise grade uh, ARM chips. So, and interestingly, Ampere Computing, which is the the company behind the Ampere One, um, is a firm headed by ex Intel executives. Mm. So they've obviously mm. done a, a <laughs> it's a, not at all controversial uh, no. because obviously Google is uh, very much I'm not going to say in bed but they use a lot of Intel um, hardware in their in their uh, cloud. Mm-hmm. Um, so this one this one sort of goes against that, and we're we're looking now at the possibility of an ARM based chip uh, available in compute. Doesn't give any information about when this might happen. Uh, or- right, but this article also talks about uh, who owns what and how many percentages. So mm. sounds like Oracle has a stake in this company as well, and now Google's Google's got a stake as well. Yes. Yep. Is so- it, and is that just for computing, or you know, for for compiling to that architecture, or what? Why would you you be using in cloud ARM over? Well, ARM is is vastly more energy efficient than mm-hmm. x86. Mm-hmm. So uh, there was an Risk. article or there was a presentation that I right. saw at DDD in Brisbane uh, that uh, a lady, an ex-Google um, employee, runs a company, an analytics company at the moment, and they were running their, their software on AWS in EC2 with Intel chips, and then they decided to recompile it. It was all Golang. Under the hood, mm-hmm. they decided mm-hmm. to recompile it to ARM when the ARM machines came out in AWS, and they found that they needed a third less machines to run the same level of yep. of uh, traffic through the ARM machines that they did the Intel machines. So it's just a, a a big factor around cost, really. In the end, you can it's 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 cost, it's power, it's speed. It literally is a speed of compute because mm. yeah. The the CISC processes that Intel uses require a lot more clock cycles to do the same amount of work that a that a, a RISC processor does, which is what mm-hmm. ARM is. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. Um, and Intel Intel architecture is basically doing everything in firmware these days, anyway. Yeah. Well. So, uh, wouldn't wouldn't it make sense that the ASIC based RISC architecture would, just by nature, be faster anyway? Well, yeah, yeah, and the instruction set is so much smaller. Yeah. Like, I, I remember, right. I re- I remember learning about it uh, when I was doing uni and doing assembly language programming, and the difference between trying to program for an Intel CPU and trying to program for uh, like a Motorola sixty eight K or a or or some other like a PA RISC or something like that. Like the instruction set is a level of magnitude different. Yeah, uh, I could. <laughs> Could never get my head around. I learnt Motorola the way the Motorola does it, and I could never get my head around Intel. <laughs> it's yep. just all backwards. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. Well, yeah. Watch this space to see. Uh. You know. Maybe. Maybe at the next next we'll see some uh, big announcements. Here. <laughs> the next next. <laughs> the next next. <laughs> Are you sure it's not the next next next? <laughs> <laughs> Don't get meta on me now. <laughs> 
All right, well, let's just shift gears here and talk about a couple of uh, security items that have come across our desk. Um, University of Sydney caught up in a third-party data breach. Yes, now, yet another uh, data breach. Uh, yet another one. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. Nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. All good, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, they, Those, they've said that, the, that, the important words in the article. It's affecting the personal data of a, and in inverted commas, small proportion of international students and applicants, which means yep. we know it's the majority. <laughs> yeah. Though that data was accessed, the university says that there is currently no evidence that personal information has been misused. Now, how do they know that, <laughs> right? The, da- the data was accessed, right, and immediately distributed on the dark web. Now, do they do – they, how can they know that it wasn't misused? I don't know. They're tracking how much spam each of those addresses is getting. Yeah. <laughs> In real time. In real time, yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> um, we are working to contact impacted students and applications will continue to monitor our system. Yeah, um, yeah so once again, nothing to see here. All good. Mm. Um, I, I find it interesting that they're – that they've they've just come out of the box and said the data was accessed. That there's no evidence that it was it's been used or misused. Mm. Uh, but then, then like two sentences later, they said in the article, uh, it said no other systems were affected, but that a detailed investigation may take some time. Mm. So they really don't know whether it's been used or misused. Um, yeah, they're just sort of positing. And they're a university, so do they have to fall under the same reporting guidelines as They yeah. most certainly do. Yeah. I they most certainly do. Now this dovetails into the next article, which is also on IT News. Australian authorities tire of excuses, delays on data breach disclosure. Mm. Um now we see this time and time again. The issue of Australian organizations either seeking to downplay or delay mandatory notification of, of data breach was raised more than two years ago. This one, this article was even worse, though. Is so, it was an IT service provider that had had ransomware go through their environment, which is, I yep. mean, that's that's a pain and and a horrible thing to have to try and rebuild from. But that the authorities had to formally invoke their powers in order to get a client list out of the provider to go and contact these these customers. Yeah. Now here's the thing. Um, if you read this, it says, it, once again, I don't think it's a very well-written article, but but the point is, IT service provider notified its health service provider customers. Now, I my speculation here is that when they've gone to these health service provider customers to try and get the client information, they've said, oh, no, 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 it's, it's health, we can't disclose, because we're a health service provider, we can't disclose who our clients are. It's, it's, it's. You know, privileged information. Uh, it's privileged information. So, where do you? Who's got the authority here under this under this act? Clearly, mm. the the OAIC was able to come back and say, no, 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 you must provide this information, even if it's privileged health information. Did they not yeah. have the capabilities of doing of complying by the contacting? What is the? Do they need to provide the list to the agency? I guess. Well, if it's what, requested, then yes, but. But the way I read this was that the OAIC contacted this IT service provider mm-hmm. um, who had notified its customers 
but mm-hmm. that the IT provider didn't wouldn't respond with its client list to the information commissioner. Mm. Yeah, it's in, so it's, that's the way I read it. Right? Maybe, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe it's that the the health providers wouldn't respond because it's privileged information. Mm. Yeah, they gotta they, they need to sort that out, and then I mean, our directors. You know how directors are responsible for the financial reporting. Are directors responsible in the same sort of like, you know, in terms of having civil criminal case, criminal charges brought against them if they're not doing their due diligence? Is that the rigor we need to get to in order to? to it looks like we might have to go down that path. Yeah, yeah. yeah can, I mean, if you're doing toxic, even if you even if you have a, you know, a manager under you as you know as CEO or as a CFO, if you sign off those financial reports and you didn't do due diligence and 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 there was negligence underneath you, you're still responsible. So it, it sort of bakes in that, you know, all the way to the top. And if if you're just blaming the CISO and saying, well, you know, it's a security thing, I don't know anything about it, it's tech, but, you know, it, you know if there ends up being the same sort of financial uh, implications that, that they've got in uh, Australia, then... They're- Personally responsible. Personally for responsible. It. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, I would, I would go as far as to say that the CIO, CISO would, uh, would be res- the one held responsible there, or should be the one held responsible. It's their, it's their job. Mm. It's their remit. That's yeah. That's right. Mm. Well, it should I mean, if if there's a board in play too, it should go all the way to the board, really, yeah. as well. It should be, and it should be report. You know, where are we at? Where's our security status? That's that's kind of where we're at. Yeah. Now, they, this article also goes on to talk about a second case. And of course, in that case, the company asked for ten to twelve weeks to complete the yeah. work. <laughs> Once again, hiding behind this whole forensic thing, right? <laughs> yeah, and this, this is look. I I understand the the implication that businesses have got of if we re- reveal that we've been breached, there's obviously a trust issue there, and that that our customers are going to go. These guys have been breached. We're moving away to some other provider. But if you don't disclose it and then you're breached and that information gets used, then I, I would say that you're actually in a worse position. Well, particularly if uh, suddenly, you know, um, Guy Fawkes hacker comes out of the woodwork and says, we've got all this data, um, hand over some cash, mm. give me some Bitcoin, mm. uh, and then you find yourself on a current affair. Yep. yep. Like Medibank Private. Like Medibank, yep. yep. But yeah, the the office of the Australian Information Commissioner has said that data exfiltration is not to be used as a determinative factor for whether a breach has occurred. An eligible data breach can occur based on unauthorized access alone, and individual's data can be stolen by less traceable means, such as screenshots, which is maybe something that the University of Sydney might need to com- contemplate. Um, and entities need to consider all the information that was accessed by the threat actor or the information that was accessible to them. Yep. Yep. Brings Which, up, brings up, I mean, you know, Mandiant and Chronicle, right? And at least that's why, you know, security yeah. is right behind AI in terms of having the most, and, and look, most of it is AI insecurity to make this easier because it is such a huge, hard problem. You think about all the eyeballs in an organization on every screen uh, that might have sensitive data and somehow you have to report on it, you got to, like, so it's it's a very hard problem. And I oh, think yeah. it's it's going to take AI to probably solve it. Solve it, yeah. Yeah, lots of points where the data can leak out, yeah. right? Um, 
But this article does finish up. The raw number of notifiable data breaches in the first six months of the year fell by 16% to 409. So there must be something doing something right. You'd hope so after the year That's that we've had. <laughs> You'd hope so. Um, and, every, and, every week, isn't it? Yeah, isn't yeah, it? And, every, and, there's a big breach. And last year was no different. I mean, mm, it, yeah. we had time and time again, we saw the headlines of X, Y, and Z company has been breached and they're being held for millions of dollars of ransom. It's, yeah. Sooner or later. Yeah, that, yeah that'd, yeah, that'd just later. be the worst to just see one of those screens. Yeah. Just come in. I said, I'm going home. <laughs> <laughs> All right, look, the time's ticking on here, guys. Let's let's get on. Let's do it. Let's get on with the AI Wars. AI Wars. All right. Uh, yeah, I thought we'd kick off uh, kick off this week's AI Wars with a little summary of what we saw in Next, and we kind of touched on it earlier. But yeah, it was uh, AI blah 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 AI AI blah 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 AI AI Gen AI blah blah blah. <laughs> it was a lot of that at Next. AI 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 generative AI generative AI generative AI AI AI. What did we see? We saw Duet AI. Yep. Uh, Duet AI is the integration into workspaces and it pretty much touches on every um, every feature and app in workspaces. Uh, we saw the digital wa- watermark in Vertex AI that's going to be embedded now into any images that are created by Vertex AI. Um, the m- new models in Model Garden, including Palm 2, Llama 2, and uh, Claude 2 from Entropic. Yeah, the world. Uh, and sorry, course- Steve. The the watermark was brought up a couple of times, so I think you can definitely see this yep. is where Google's trying to uh, sort of get ahead of the game by by seeing mm. that that's the next um, big uh, you, you know uh, explainability and and responsibility in your AI models and and your outputs are going to be um, super important. So I think they're trying to with that watermark sort of. Uh, you know, get in in front of the 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 ethics questions, which are still really to be addressed yeah. in, in in a big way. Yeah, right, right, and it'll, it hopefully it will drive adopt adaptation, adaptation. Hopefully it will drive ad- adoption. Adoption. Yeah. Hopefully it will drive adoption. <laughs> if uh, if uh, it, you've you've answered that question up front, and just to my last point here, uh, the hardware, of course, the AI hardware with TPU and things like that. Mm. That's what I just saw briefly. I, I I haven't even gone through all the videos yet. I don't know if you guys saw anything else. No, look, I, I concentrated a lot on the Duet AI stuff. Uh, obviously, I've got Duet AI plugged into VS Code, and I, I put it in. We've got, because uh, I use the JetBrains gear, um, I mm. turned on, uh, well, I installed JetBrains Fleet uh, probably two weeks ago now, and I plugged in Duet AI there, or, or Cloud Code is the plugin that you use. And uh, and I put the trusted testers uh, configuration in, and yeah, absolutely phenomenal. Works really well with Terraform. Um, gives you lots of lots of really good hints about it. So I think yep. Duet AI is going to be amazing. Yep. All right. I'm going to have to get you to take me through setting that up. Yep. On in, in my in my yep. VS Code as well. Yeah. Well, what I found as well is um just on that is the Vertex AI integration they've made in inside Apogee and like API Hub um, 
the presentation I saw was pretty amazing if you check it out around API ecosystems of creating LLM extensions. So in Vertex AI, you can basically point it at your API code base. It's going to read all your swaggers. And then you just use the LLM to say, hey, make me a new API, which you know does some sort of thing. And it goes and looks at, oh, you've got a Salesforce integration. I'm going to grab all your existing code and then I'm going to write an API for you and then I'll deploy it and and nice. you can create an extension then, which then exposes that as an API to for for other people to use, and can use their own LLMs to do it. So it's it's some pretty some fast moving stuff around that. Um, yeah, yeah. And the thing you mentioned earlier with the Jira and Confluence integration, mm-hmm. yeah, it's much. And that's just a plugin, right? Just just connect straight in, indexes it. As far as I can tell, just just to clarify, is that Juid I think is anything with in workspace. Right, and then anything in GCP or Google Cloud facing will be Vertex AI, even though they're probably point you know they're pointing to the same you know Palm or or you know Bard sort of uh, underlying model models yeah. or or hosting of those models or the LLMs. So. so it looks like the AI use in business is heating up as well. Um, ChatGPT uh, offer have now an offering for large businesses. Yeah, they've got ChatGPT Enterprise now. Uh, so ChatGPT Chat Enterprise offers more security, privacy, and higher speeds to access OpenIO's technology, the company said. Now, we've talked about this before, right? So um, a perfect use case for, for AI is what you know, indexing your Jira, indexing your Confluence, and just put a language model on that, and you've got all your, your enterprise knowledge available in, in natural language, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, I've mentioned a few times on the show before, you know, everyone knows I used to work for Telstra. There's, there's the, the big enterprise like that. There's a list of policies as long as your arm, right? And if you, to try and know them all, like just, you're just reading forever in a day. Why not just feed it all into a model and just have it tell you, oh, what's our policy on blah? And it can give it to you in a natural response. Mm-hmm. A lot easier. Yeah, definitely. Um, but obviously enterprises are nervous. They don't want all their, um, internal IP going into some model that's available on the internet that everyone can have access to, um, let's build a customised one for them. Mm-hmm. It was this, – this one's um, – so it's interesting because OpenAI are offering ChatGPT Enterprise and then Microsoft is already offering businesses access to ChatGPT via Azure OpenAI service. Mm. So I wonder if there's actually a difference between the two or uh, – Oh, yeah, there's – yeah, there's a big difference between you know. Yeah, there is. Yeah, yeah, right. How they respond, what they were trained on to begin with, what they're what they're better at, um, and I think you know our our sister company Liza's already done some benchmarking between uh, some of the big LLMs, and of course chaining is is massive now as well. So, and multi prompt being able to so there's a lot of new techniques as well to that then enhance that that base or that foundation model. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah, there's a the big difference, and this is really where, as you said, the you know, AI wars, it's really the battleground is now around those those foundation models, and then the services and techniques that you use in order to get that useful to the enterprise, whether that's, you know, direct to customers or, or in those back-of-house functions. Uh, like, you know, finding out what's our onboarding process, and you just have a chat that tells you exactly what to do rather than mm. searching through a bunch of, you know, a million confluence pages. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. Yeah, I can just just walk you through how to do it. 
Yeah. Uh, but yes, most definitely they are different things. OpenAI and Microsoft have introduced overlapping services before, and it's unclear how much the two companies are competing over customers. Mm. Yeah, the, the, the sentence there that really grabs my attention is, ChatGPT enterprise subscribers need not subscribe to Azure, mm. says OpenAI. Yeah, so, it's a completely so different they're, service. They're, yeah, yeah, it's just completely yeah. competitive. And yeah. look, I mean, I think I think it's they're squaring up. I don't know about AWS, but they're squaring up with Microsoft. Um, that's why half of the keynote was about workspace. Now we're at a Google Cloud conference, right? After that next um, uh, 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 keynote, as well as in the developer, was talking about workspace and and Juit, right? Which is you know fully in the workspace area not uh, not even the vertex ai stuff so that that's that's right and yeah. and that's and so, that's a jump because you know 0365 is not advanced as advanced i don't think with some of the ai that they've brought out so that's really where they're looking to get a, a leg up in that workspace right so in the gen ai space and integrate with the workspace and this is what i really liked about with kasna's like when we first started four years ago we said what's the only other company that's got eyeballs all the way to bits in the data center, and it's Microsoft, right? Because they've got their big heavyweight uh, Outlook app, and then they've got Azure you know, services running uh, in the cloud. Google's got that now as well. Uh, it took them a little while, but they've now merged those together, and it's now just one you know, service or one capability. It's taken AI and the large language models to bring those two things together, which is your end service, which is you know, your, your GUIs, your... APIs, your interfaces that the eyeballs see, and then the services in the back with the with the cloud. Um, mm. So, yeah, I mean, I th- I think you see the, like Azure and what is it, Microsoft three six five now, or you know they're going to get yep. closer together. Certainly, Workspace and and Google Cloud are like they they were almost two separate companies even mm. even last year, and now yeah, right. it's it's they are very much uh, getting getting uh, uh, pulled together. I suppose that's, integrated. I suppose that's why integrated. Azure didn't. Uh, sorry, Microsoft didn't report on Azure's income in the last quarter. Is because they they might be on that right on that path of merging them. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's right. I mean, they do so many deals. Microsoft does so many deals with their Azure credits from licensing out of your Microsoft, and so who knows how they they do their that sort of accounting. But like, there's a it's getting a closer and closer. Uh, gap between using power apps or using um, you know uh, Google's uh, workflows or things like that 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 interact directly with mm. with APIs or or apps that you build and so, there's workspace. So where does AWS play into this? Because I mean we all know about OpenAI, we all know about um, the the OpenAI that's in Microsoft Edge these days and. And obviously, Google's AI Bard and Duet AI and Vertex AI. AWS doesn't appear to have one that's that's really at the forefront of anything. No, I didn't. And I think again, they don't have the the eyeballs, right? They're great for VMs, but there's always apps sitting on top of those VMs. They don't have any capability to really sort of, you know, um, you know, they got their website, so the Amazon. You know, so but that's just to for shopping, I suppose, and and yeah. retail. So I Fine think they're. Yeah, I think look, <laughs> like it's a legacy cloud. It's just like it's, you know, you want to run VMs, great, go to AWS. Yeah. But if you want, if, if you, you want to do anything more more in, in uh, intuitive than that, 
Well, you know, but, it's AI, right? And it's the, it's this whole new world. It's the it's as big as the yeah. internet, right? Or or they're saying you know going to change things as much as electricity. Maybe that's uh, hyperbole, but it's you know I think AWS is a long, long ways behind in terms of being able to sort of unify uh, what users uh, interact with, and then and then the services that they then provide in cloud. Mm. And we we said that a while ago, Baggy, on one of the one of the earlier shows that we see AI as the same sort of transforma- transformative power as computers were back in the eighties, when That's right. PCs yep. first came out, and all the typists well, the in that- companies were up in arms because they were going to lose their job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 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 it's a fact that everyone has access to it mm-hmm. now. This is the thing, right? Computers for a long time, you know, during the 60s were these big behemoths that were Mm. just in rooms and, you know, no one would ever get access to one. And that's exactly what happened in the 80s. Suddenly, everyone's got one on their desk. Yeah. uh, And it was transformative. This is the thing now, right? AI has been, there's been sniffs of it for for like 20 years, but suddenly now everyone can just go and spin up a Google project and you've got access to it, right? Yeah, it's pretty pretty amazing. to V5 ETPUs, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is incredible. <laughs> All right, guys. Look, we could go on for a while, but I can see the clock ticking out. There is one more article that I will link in the show notes, but I think in our last conversation there, we touched on all the points in there. It talks about Copilot and Duet uh, AI workspace. Uh, yep. But yeah, AI, it's it ain't going away. Just yep. when we thought there was a lull in, in what was going on, it ain't going away. And I'll tell you what, with Next23, uh, Google's just really kicked it up a gear. I tell you what, I can't wait to get my hands on some of these toys and play around with them. 161 but, items they announced it next. Uh, and the majority of even, it was AI. Try and, uh, I'm putting together a playlist. Mm. Uh, if you guys get a chance, put together a playlist uh, before I do the edit, send it through to me. I, I've put in a bunch of uh, sort of infra networking kind of stuff in, in the playlist. And uh, all your listeners can, can get our insights into what happened next. But in the meantime, go to iTunes, write the show a review. That would really help the show out. And uh, you can contact the show, gcplife at kasna.com. Uh, we've got the website there. And uh, how's the Mastodon server coming along, Ian? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. Weird Sorry, I've been okay, crickets. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, don't forget GCP Live Live, 6th of October, in uh, the, the developer studio in Sydney at Piermont. Love to see you all come along to that. And you can actually see us in person, have a laugh, and uh, something to, something to eat and drink as well. Uh, that's about it for today. Don't forget today's sponsor is Kazna. At Kazna, we make your Google Cloud solutions possible. Anything else from you guys? Nope. 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 All right, thanks. We'll see you later. Bye. Bye. Now, Troy, I've totally. uh, Have you got the show notes in front of you? Uh, Have you had the show notes in front no, of you? <laughs> Off the cuff. <laughs> Off the cuff. Well, I should be flicking you the articles well, and I thought you had this because no. I shared it with Did you. Did you? I mean, I get yes. a million emails. I should probably have those ready to go, but yeah. Um, so that's that one. Oh, God. <laughs> Put in a marker. Should have, should have called that out to start with. So that, that's the actual 
show note page there. And it's this is why Ian and I are like just going bang, 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 oh, bang. Oh, right. Bang, yeah. So, no. It's why we I, know I knew, what's going on. I knew, <laughs> I knew you had one, but I just didn't check my email. Like, um, uh, off the cuff. Off the cuff. Well, doing well for off the cuff. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying we to. We don't keep just up. remember all this stuff. Oh, really? It's okay. Actually, yeah. It's actually planned out. <laughs> I don't remember what I had for lunch. <laughs>